Hello and welcome back to the Weak Side Podcast. We are already underway in the legal tampering period. I'm Jenny Rentis here with Connor Orr, and we are going to make sense of some of the moves that have happened so far and some that have not, Connor. With our luck, just like with the Dak Prescott contract last week, we will wrap up a killer show and then a, uh, you know, just a, 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 Giant flurry of deals will happen, cascading down the mountain as soon as we're done. So that'll be a that'll be a, a good sign for all of us. When uh, as soon as we're done, that's when all the news is going to happen. Well, it's always difficult to pick a recording time during free agency, so we're just doing our best. We're we're going with it. We had a few early headlines we're going to talk about. Things will develop over the next few days, and. Uh, We'll just have to see where that takes us, Connor. It is a it is a bizarre like you and I have been through gosh, this would be well I mean, I started covering the NFL in 2010. You started covering the NFL well a couple years before that. Like this is what probably your 13th, 14th, 15th free agency something like that. Would you Are say? you trying to count how old I am? No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You were like, oh, you started covering it well before. And then you caught yourself. I heard that, Connor. Because yes, it was it was in one. my mind, it was a it, in my mind it was a difference between dating you via age or undercutting your experience. And so I, I it was really a rock and a hard place there, and I chose not to undercut experience. So uh, all right, Connor. We'll 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 give you a, a pass on that. Shelby also <laughs> caught it though, the the well before that you were about to say, but but all good. I see your intentions. <laughs> we're all friends here. So, oh, but it, it feels like, um, like we've been through different waves, right? There was the one free agency, maybe it was like 2011 or 2012, where you spend all that time sort of gathering intel and you wait for the clock to tick so you can start really, like these things start happening. And then I remember one year, like I, th- I thought I had a good off season, you know, tried to make some contacts. And then Adam Schefter literally at 401 just tweeted every single deal in succession. And then like, I was like, okay, that's it. Free agency is over. And then, you know, some years it comes in waves and, this is another really strange one where it seems like some of the biggest deals have not gone off the board yet as of us recording this at 341 on Monday. Um, and of course, the actual opening of the window has not happened yet, but a lot of deals are done. But some of the ones that we've expected have not been done yet. Yeah, Kenny Galladay, as of this recording, is not done yet. Trent Williams. So there's a lot of big ones that we're still expecting. Connor, I have to say, so this year we didn't have the combine, which gives you a sense. You're able to see which GMs are huddling with with which agents. There's a lot of rumors going on. Harder to read the tea leaves this year. But on my Signal app, which is an encrypted app, a general manager joined early this morning. I noticed. I got the notification. Such and such is now on Signal. So my eyes are on that team. I'm curious what secret deal is being worked out. Can we talk after this? Because there was another one in, uh, uh, there was another one recently that I had, and then I stopped receiving notifications from Signal. I wonder if it's the same person. Oh boy. I'm going to drop it. We've got to compare notes. I'm going to drop it in the chat. Hold on. All right. This is. Our viewers are going to love this, that we just can't see it. No, it is not that person. Oh. Okay, well, that person is also on Signal, which, I mean, a little less exciting uh, in the grand scheme of things. But um, I love that. Signal. like they're- Signal. I mean, that's where all the deals get done. That's where I do most of my business, Connor. Signal, you know. GMs, coaches, owners. 
you've had problems with coaching searches. You've had problems with research in the draft. You've had problems with secrecy and free agency. Hire a journalist. There are plenty of good journalists out there. They can help you with all of those things, including getting you on Signal. So there you go. Really is always a tell. Whenever I see someone join Signal, my eyebrows go up. So (laughs) I'm watching this team. But for the time being, we have the information that is already out there. So let's dive into these uh, less encrypted pieces of news so far. Let's Um, do it. I'll, I'll start, Connor. Okay. The Patriots are fun and evil again. Whoopee. Okay, Connor has written this topic just for clarification. In the first three hours of the legal tampering period, New England has spent half of the amount of money that they've spent in the previous 10 years via free agency, signing Matt Judon, Jalen Mills, Davin Godshaw, Jonu Smith, and re-signed Cam Newton. This is great. Your move, Tom Brady. Don't you love this? I love this. This is, I love it. This is amazing. Like, uh, nobody... Um, there's the, the gif that's popular online of Bill Belichick purposely, purposefully walking forward, ignoring all the children that want to give him a high five. And it's overused, uh, mostly by people who aren't funny, but it is so apt in this moment where it feels like he has emerged, uh, from this slumber. Um, I was, uh, recently listening to the song Thriller by Michael Jackson, and it, that, it gives me that vibe where it's like someone coming out of the... Uh, out of the tomb to uh, to wreak havoc on the NFL, and and here he comes. This is this is just so exciting. I love this. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot on this show about how last year was kind of a lost season for the Patriots, and we were curious to see what they would do. They had a ton of cap space. They made two moves last week: the trade to get Trent Brown back. They re-signed Cam Newton, which seemed to signal that they would be very active, but. This was even a little bit more active than perhaps we anticipated and a lot of really big early moves. I think Matt Judon really stands out to me. And I think you and I both wrote last week, Connor, that we thought Bill might try to take advantage of a slightly depressed market. And Matt Judon's deal really stands out to me as that because the average is only $14 million per year, which is a pretty good price for a four-year contract for a very good pass rusher. Yeah, and it signals to us too that, I mean, I would guess that there is a larger plan at play here. Like, I I don't know if guys would take less, theoretically, to go to the Patriots unless they knew that there was something bigger afoot here than maybe just a similar version of this, like, plotty Cam Newton offense that they were running last year, you know? Like, maybe they know something that other people don't know. I don't know. I I think it would be interesting, especially someone like Matt Judon, who I would assume had options, including going back to the Ravens. The Ravens' defense just doesn't function properly without him. And so I think that'll be sort of interesting to see how, how that all clears out. But I, I, I think all this is, is very exciting. I mean, it, the, the NFL is just not the NFL without like a scheming Machiavellian Belichick just lurking around here. And now that he's just nipping everybody off in free agency, I love it. Johnny Smith is um, another great example where... Mm-hmm. That's a player that, um, you know, you heard going into free agency that he was going to have that big 10 plus million dollar a year uh, market. And I did a thing where I paired a bunch of free agents with prospective teams, thought about the Patriots, but was like, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be there. I don't know if Bill Belichick is going to go that buck wild in free agency. But he said, not so fast, Connor. We're doing this. And I I love it. Like, I think he's perfect for that offense. They're 
and you can't judge everything on free agency alone, but with all the players that are coming back, um, you know, COVID holdouts from last year, plus this influx of free agency, plus um, this is the best draft capital that they've had in years. I'm, I'm very interested to see how this all turns out. Last year, I happened to be in New England before their playoff loss to the Titans, and I have this enduring memory of Belichick's press conference before the game, and somebody was asking him about the Titans' multiple tight end sets, and eventually someone asked a specific question about Jonu Smith, and he just gushed about him. He said, you know, he's a very athletic player. I, I pulled up the transcript, Connor. I'm reading from of it. Course. He's a very athletic player, hard to tackle, catches the ball well. He's great after the catch. Probably the best in the league. I mean, I can't imagine anybody better than him after the catch. So pretty glowing review wow. of Jonu Smith, and now he's got his Jonu Smith. He's got a, a offensive weapon for that was, I mean, a glaring weakness of the Patriots, right? The last two seasons is they needed this offensive playmaker and goes out and gets Jonu Smith and hasn't made any. I mean, we know Belichick has this thing where he often praises opposing players, but clearly he meant it. Um, Belichick, as an aside, has perfected the um, unintentional like dad move where you make your kid uh, slightly jealous through your praise of somebody else doing a very similar thing. He's he, Bill is so good at that. Like because I think you know people like Tom Brady and Gronk who were so loyal to him over the years, and then like he'll go out and say something like really g- glowing about like Cam Newton or Johnu Smith or one right, of those guys. Cam's leadership. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like one of those. Th- it's just like the perfect like little you know that and, and he just does it so well you know but uh i i love it i i think this is great and i i think too maybe we're <clears throat> overlooking the fact that I, I mean this is cam newton signed for backup money there's no question about it i mean the fact that there are so many incentives in the contract probably leads us to believe that he thinks he can win the starting job or he can at least score enough or win enough games to make back some of the incentives in the contract but um i i don't think they're done there either and i think that we could see just a, a flurry of interesting moves on offense because right now it looks like they're sort of focused defensively but i think i think the other side of the ball i don't, I don't think they're done yet either yeah I think it's totally possible they make another move at the quarterback position and as you said you know they've made a lot of moves on defense I thought Jalen Mills was a little surprising to me because he had kind of an up and down tenure in Philly but if anyone knows defensive backs Bill knows defensive backs so clearly he'll have a good plan for him but um but yeah, I mean, we've been wondering what the post-Brady plan would look like in earnest when it wasn't a year where they had a league-high eight players opting out and Cam Newton's joining the team in July. And, you know, it just didn't look like the Patriots last year. And so Belichick hasn't traditionally spent a lot in free agency, but he spends when he needs it. So a few years ago, he brought in Stephon Gilmore because he knew to run his defensive system, he needed a shutdown corner on the back end to play a lot of man-to-man. He spent that year, and this year, they've had some draft misses, and they really need to replenish the talent on the roster, had the space to spend in a year when there's a depressed market, and they've gone for it. Yeah, I love it. I love Bill going for it. Patriots... 
uh, uh, future AFC East champions again. Uh, we're, we're back. Like you know what you know what's gonna feel like we're back from all this is when we're in a, a Super Bowl media day covering the Patriots. You know, and that's when we're gonna know that life has come full circle again. <laughs> that everything is is not okay. Certainly, but you know everything is back to uh, nature has healed and we've been born anew again. When we're back uh, uh, sitting around listening to Bill Belichick uh, mumble about injury. Uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. Very, very excited for this. All right. Topic number two, Connor. Let's see. What really we... excited for you to read this one. Drew Brees has officially retired, leaving the Saints to do the only sensible thing. Signed Taysom Hill to a 30-year contract extension. Is he the future at QB or is there something larger afoot? Jenny, uh, I don't really have anything to say about Taysom Hill other than the fact that that was the most ridiculous contract ever. I mean, it's just voidable years. Um, they need to alleviate some of their salary cap issues, um, but it does make all other contracts seem fairly ludicrous uh, by design. It's almost like when you win the Powerball, but then you automatically get half of that because of taxes, but then if they ended up taking another half of it, so you don't get anything, you know? That's a good way to describe it, Connor. I like that analogy. It's a little bit different, which we can always expect from Connor or analogies. <laughs> we know Taysom Hill is in their plans for this year, but I guess the question is, is there someone else? Will they be able to bring Jameis Winston back? Uh, it seems like there would be interest there in bringing him back. Would he have a better market elsewhere? That's the question. And would they have a second plan, Taysom Hill and someone else? It looks like they probably would like to have a Hill-Winston duo heading into 2021 season, but is that what they will end up with? I can talk myself into a Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston offense much easier than I can talk myself into either a Taysom Hill offense or a Jameis Winston offense, if that makes sense. That and, does make sense. And it's weird because I was hypercritical of the way that they would pull and push Taysom Hill on and off the field. Um, but I feel like on one hand, you're pulling Drew Brees off the field. Um, and on the other hand, now you're you're pulling off a quarterback with, um, you know, kind of a wild um wild ebbs and flows in performance and it does make sense that situationally you could use Jameis Winston and then sort of decoy things out um I mentioned this on the Monday morning podcast but my uh, my friends down at uh Princeton football have uh perfected the use of a quarterback from the zero to the 20 and the 20 to the zero and then another quarterback between the 20 and the 20 that was something that they did fairly regularly and so I think that's smart maybe thinking about it that way yeah you have like a Tebow guy for goal line to 20 20 to goal line and then you have um someone who can throw the ball between the 20s um and then you know defenses have to prepare for essentially two offenses um and you run it that way but I I don't know I mean I I think it probably wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility, like especially if the Patriots sign another guy, like we could be headed for a time when this just is a totally sensible thing, right? I mean, 10 years ago, it would have been like, no, of course you can't do that. And then the Colin Kaepernick thing happened. Um, and, and he started taking some snaps from Alex Smith. And then slowly this thing starts snowballing to the point where like anything in the NFL, it, it gets cyclical, it gets normalized and a lot of teams do it. But if any coach has the time and the leeway to try to invest in this, I would say it was probably Sean Payton. So, Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of examples of how it's sort of moving in this direction, right? You want a couple options at the quarterback position. I mean, at least that was the explanation for the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts. It's, you know, we're moving to an expanded season. 
the injury risk is high in the NFL. Um, and, you know, the pl- platoon approach would be one step further. We saw a taste of it with the Saints and Taysom Hill, but would they go a step further where it's, as you mentioned, sort of a, a more equal type of split? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested. I mean, I would like to see it. He was very creative with Teddy Bridgewater. I thought that the offense was a lot of fun to watch when they had Teddy Bridgewater in for an extended period of time. He was very creative with Taysom Hill. Offense was a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, good good for you, Sean Payton. You know, do it. Uh, that would be fun. Um, and uh, we just get to stop wondering. Well, it's sort of a lose-lose. Well, it's a win-lose. We get to stop wondering when Drew Brees is going to like, you know, oh, is he going to retire? Isn't he going to retire? Like, that's not a subplot for the offseason. The bad news is, I, I have a feeling this is going to be some fairly uh, milk toast to borderline troubling analysis um, in the uh, media world from Drew Brees. I'm not, that I'm not, oh. I'm not necessarily looking forward to because if our readers don't know, especially those outside the country, he is going to be like a, a football analyst now. He's going to be on TV talking about football for a living. Okay, that is a good point and something to keep an eye on. I thought you were going to go in a different direction and say we will see a big step back from the Saints this season, which also would not be surprising. Or or all that troubling on my end. So, you know, <laughs> you know but, um, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm so... I'm so colored by the Tony Romo experience. It is just such a breath of fresh air to watch him call a game that nobody is going to... Uh, nobody's going to no push for the next quarterback is going to make me feel the same way. You know, you never forget your first like that. And Tony (laughs) Romo uh, just blew my mind, made me love football again. And uh, Jay Cutler, I bet would have done the same thing had he not come out of retirement to play for the dolphins and then just disappear, you know, disappear kind of. But uh, I I just, I'm not, I'm not excited for Drew Brees in the booth. I just, I, I don't think I can get jacked up for that. I don't know. It's a difficult thing to achieve you need a combination of excitement which Tony Romo clearly has an ability to share your vast football knowledge in a form that is digestible on a tv broadcast and you know you need to have the respect obviously which Breeze does of the coaches and players you talk to leading up to the game but it's just a difficult balance to hit all of those three things definitely all right, what do we have for uh, our third and final topic? Again, we're going to kind of compress the show a little bit uh, because of free agency. We want to keep, keep everything fresh and relevant here as deals are flying off the board, but um, we will obviously uh, we obviously come back and hit it hard uh, next Tuesday as well. But uh, what do we have for number three? All right, the Buccaneers bagged Shaq Barrett on a long-term deal Monday. Again, that's Connor Orr language. Maybe wouldn't have picked that verb. Securing all three of Tampa Bay's free agents, Levante David, Chris Godwin, and Barrett, ahead of free agency. Repeating is tough, but do they have the foundation? I don't know. What do you think? Well, it's interesting because this was evidently, in their minds, 2021 was going to be their year. Mm -hmm. Bruce Arians said that he didn't think things would come together as quickly as they did, which was the concerns that all of us had. No offseason, you know, coming in, learning a vastly different offense for Brady and meshing with his new teammates, not having all of that time to to get on the same page. It seemed like, even in Bruce Arians' mind, that... They would be building in 2020 for 2021. But 
they came together late in the season, went on a run, won a championship. So now here they are. And this was supposed to be their year. And they had a lot of pieces they wanted to keep. They still have other pieces they will try to keep, you know, Fournette, Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. Um, so, but they've got the three big ones, right? And yeah, I mean, first of all, one, it speaks to the Tom Brady effect that they were willing to keep these guys. Uh, Shaq Barrett agreed to a deal with the Bucks, didn't test the market. And two, uh, I think... You know, what we saw last season exceeded expectations, and there's no reason to expect that they can't be just as good this coming year. Yeah, I I think it's going to be one of those things where we spend all offseason saying, and and, gosh, I'm going to repeat myself. I'm going to end up on a Tom Brady hype video at some point, Um, but just, oh, yeah, getting the band back together, bringing everybody (laughs) back together. Here we go. But it just it doesn't work that way necessarily in the NFL and the Buccaneers are a great example of that because look what they did to the Chiefs we all thought that the Chiefs were going to be unstoppable and they were getting the band back together and they were doing all this stuff and you know but again I mean Tom Brady is just this outlier I mean he's he's just special and he's making things happen in the NFL that have never happened before so who knows but um Mm -hmm. I think that as we've seen with any team that's going to repeat as a Super Bowl champion, not only do you have to bring back the core players, but you have to bring back that hunger and that attitude, and you have to add to that then. I mean, you have to you have to become a better team, um, and who knows, maybe another year with Tom Brady, maybe you do become a better team. I don't know. I, I think that's entirely possible as well. Yeah. One interesting thing is you often hear of the Super Bowl hangover, and some of those reasons being that one, players leave the team, but obviously they're trying to keep them. But the other factor is guys have a lot of opportunities and can do a lot more things off the field. This year is a little different, right? I mean, seems like we're coming out of the worst part of the pandemic. There's a lot of hope with the vaccine and things are trending towards normal. But it wasn't, you know, after the Super Bowl, they didn't have the same opportunities for travel or endorsements. It's just a little bit more tempered this year, right? So perhaps maybe that won't be the case for them. Um, And you make a good point about the Chiefs, but they did still make it to the Super Bowl. True. That's true. Um, But I don't know. But I I hear you. Yeah, you're kind of recapturing like an energy and a magic and uh, Because there is, right? I mean, there's just like, there's a vibe about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've covered... Mm -hmm one good team in our life <laughs> you know two two good teams in our lives and you know we remember you know kind of that that bottled energy that's there you know and you could feel it i i, I totally am i i'm not uh embarrassed to admit that there is something that you could feel um in a locker room when things are clicking and a team is talented mm-hmm. and good and moving in the same direction i just happen to have a lot more experience uh walking into locker rooms of complete and total discord you know uh the yeah. 2013 giants the 2014 giants the 2011 jets the 2012 jets you know but uh yeah i don't know i, I think it's cool it's exciting I, it sets up sort of this maybe new england foible um if both teams can get good and get back and you know wow. maybe you know if there's a patriots buccaneers super bowl i'll just melt and of excitement uh, and, uh, you know, and, and that, you know, so that'll be, there's things to look forward to is all I'm saying. I like that. I like that, Connor. But yeah, to your point, there's also the, the, there's a freeness that comes with 
playing with house money, which I think the Bucks sort of had because, yes, there were expectations, obviously, for Tom Brady coming to Tampa Bay, but it was it was a different kind of sense. And again, if they thought 2021 was going to be their year. So I think there was probably a freeness that they could play with. And there was a novelty too. you know, they had these offseason workouts at a Tampa high school and, you know, this these unusual bonding experiences during a really strange year. So you're right, it will be hard to duplicate or recapture all of that. Indeed. Um, all right. So we're going to uh, we're we're still going to hit you with an oracle this week. Um, my my oracle from last week didn't happen yet, but I am going to uh, I'm going to stand on that. Zach Ertz to either the Bills or mm-hmm. the Colts. I think that's still going to happen. Um, but I will say, as an extension of the Buccaneers talk, I think that this off season will be a very big off season for the discussion of the of the quote unquote dream team. And I think that it will center around the Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to add, you know, one or two more Hollywood type pieces, um, name brand pieces. Um, I don't know, like maybe like Richard Sherman is out there. Like, wouldn't that be the, the kind of guy that you think would go down to Tampa Bay and play with Tom Brady? Like so, a guy like that, you know, something like that where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, generic fan blather there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I think that there there would be that that element of it. But I think it's going to center around a few other teams, too. I think the Buccaneers were going to talk about a dream team. I think the Bills were going to talk about um, dream team because I think they're going to go for it. I think they're going to push their chips to the center of the table. I think the Patriots are another team that we're going to be talking dream team about, especially if they can get another quarterback in there. So. I, I think this is going to be a big offseason for the Dream Team, and especially because, as you pointed out in uh, your great free agency primer, which I urge everybody to read because I think it's still, it's probably even more instructive now than it was um, even when it was posted. But um, I, I think that that market allows, you know, it, it's a depressed market for sure. Um, but then if guys can't get the money that they want, what do they do? They want to go where it's exciting. They want to go where they can win. And I think that creating those scenarios, I think, is going to be interesting. Yeah. I like it, Connor. Big off season for the I've been doing game. this a lot with my hands today. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to the, I'm like, it's like a point, but instead I'm like curving my fingers and just sort of like doing that. I don't, I don't know where that came from. I don't yeah, like that necessarily. Yeah, that is a new, uh, new hand gesture. Yeah, I think the I'm going to. things gonna, you learn over Zoom. Yeah, I think I'm just going to try to keep my hands in my pockets <laughs> from now on. <laughs> Zoom etiquette, you know. But uh, One hand in your pocket <laughs> and the other one, what is it? Showing a peace sign? Waving a peace sign. There's waving a peace sign. Doesn't smoking a cigarette was smoking one? Smoking a cigarette. Yeah. We could all use yeah. a little more Alanis right now. Ah, love Alanis. Just the best. Great um, memories there. Yeah. It, wait, did you, were you like a, a jagged little pill person when it came out? Yeah, that was when I was in, what, high school? You know, big, big, uh, big listener of Alanis. So very defining of my teen years. Now I've got to look up what year. I mean, we're talking a lot about my age on this show, <laughs> which I really don't have a problem with. I don't think we should be. <laughs> You know, we should not be averse to talking about one's age, but let's see. Okay, Jagged Little Pill was released internationally in 1995. So, okay. Um, I guess that was a little bit before I was in high school. But, How old uh, do you think Connor and Jenny are? Leave us a rating and review and put it in the... No. Uh, so that was like a mainstay in your disc man? 
Did you have a disc man? Oh yeah. I mean, I have. I for sure had the album. I can see the cover. It's like her face in different colors, and yeah. I mean, great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Um, so speaking right. of great uh, greatness in general, uh, what do we have for the Ventus consensus today? Consensus. I think my consensus like is almost bordering on an oracle, but here we go this Ow. week. So while we've been recording this podcast um joe tooney's agent announced that he has agreed to a five-year deal with the chiefs we saw the kevin zeitler signing to the ravens trent williams is one of the big names on the market uh the 49ers would like to keep him but he will have a lot of other options um so connor i just really think that the linemen are going to be the free agents that make the biggest difference this year teams that are going to sign linemen obviously the chiefs clearly with what happened in the super bowl they need line help i think zeitler is perfect to put on the ravens line you know orlando brown wants to go somewhere else and play left tackle trent williams is still unfathomably playing at an all pro level in his 30s so yes i just think that the offensive linemen who are on the move who will have lots of teams courting them will ultimately make the biggest impact in their on their new teams this season. Yeah, that's a great point. It's such a like surprisingly tasty class. Like you never see guys like yes. this get to free agency, you know? Which is Corey weird. Lindsley, like, yeah. yeah. Like I wonder what the underpinning of that is. Like is it do teams think again? Because remember, it was like three or four years ago when all the teams were going spread in college. There was that panic that we're not going to be able to develop good road grading offensive linemen anymore. You know, good like stoic pass blocking offensive linemen. And there were like two or three really bad class draft classes in a row. Um, is the thought that that's now over again and that these guys are more expendable than they once were? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question because there was a really excellent offensive line class last year. Obviously, Tristan Wirfs won a Super Bowl with the Bucks. You know, there were four tackles taken in the top, what was it, 12 or 13. So I don't know what the reason is, but yeah, that's exactly right. You don't normally see high caliber linemen get to the, the market because they are so valuable. So this year's class, there's a lot of great options. Like if you need line help, there's a lot of great options in free agency. And so... Other players may steal the headlines, but I think ultimately the linemen will make the biggest impact this year. I like it. Um, yeah. So the, it's it's funny. It's like it's like a see. Ya, it's not a farewell. It's a see you soon because this is like a TBD discussion. We gotta we gotta table it for now. Um, you know. I think some- I accidentally made an oracle, Connor. I know. I'm I'm thrilled. Like I think that it's it's about time that this show had an actual prognosticator that is going to get some things right uh, from time to time. So well, listen. You know what I did, Connor? Is I kind of made a you know a prediction that you can make an argument for no matter what happens. Lots of linemen. Varying degrees of <laughs> ways to measure linemen's performance. You know. I think I gave myself some wiggle room there is what I'm that trying to is, say. That is, I mean, listen, Oracle University, day one, that is what you <laughs> learn right there. You give yourself a little wiggle room, you know? Right, right. You get, can't uh, can't lock yourself in too much, so. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, we will see you guys soon. And in the meantime, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. If you want to pass us around, spread the word to your friends, let them know about the Weekside Podcast. Send us an email at weeksidepod at gmail.com. Send us 
messages on Twitter if you have questions for future mailbag shows, um, if you want to fight about the Orioles, which is what I'm doing with uh, a valued listener at this point. Uh, well, not fight. We're just talking about how excited we are about the Orioles this year. Banter. But banter. Yeah. So if you want to banter about uh, baseball or puzzles or anything, you know, we're uh, we're here. Uh, we're ready to listen. So thanks again. We, we've got some really good mailbag feedback and questions yes. already in the account. So we'll get to those in the coming weeks. But as always, thanks everyone for listening. The Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Mark Moravik is the Emeritus Executive Director of the MMQB. Our theme music was written and composed by singer-songwriter Ryan Harris-Brown, whose latest album, Stranded in the Present Tense, is available now on all major streaming services. Keep up with the Weekside Podcast by subscribing to our new feed, and while you're there, leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, or wherever else you find your podcasts.